Hey, Journey listeners, Mission Producer Hillary here with a bit of housekeeping. From now on, I'll be the voice you hear narrating the stories of these incredible entrepreneurs. I've been working behind the scenes on the show since its inception, and it's my pleasure to begin my own journey as the host of this show. I hope you love these new episodes as much as I've loved telling them. Do you remember the 2017 DreamWorks animated film Boss Baby? The poster featured a serious-looking infant dressed in a sharp black suit sitting underneath the words Born Leader. In the film, the titular baby was often shown barking orders to his much older subordinates and portrayed as a pint-sized John D. Rockefeller. Well, that's kind of where today's story starts. I used to travel every summer with my dad, starting at like five years old. And he'd put me in this little tux or some goofy, you know, way oversized suit. And I'd sit in and listen to him in boardrooms and with manufacturers and reps and resellers and everybody in between. That's Scott Katoon, preteen business tycoon turned CEO of entrepreneurial network Technori. And as you might have guessed, Scott's business journey started a lot earlier than most. Over the years, he's learned a lot about what to do, how to find investors, how to build a network, how to chase your dream. But through it all, he's also learned a lot about what not to do, when to keep dreaming and when to move on. There are always exciting things happening in the world of small business. The news that grabs the headlines, though, are always the highlights, the overnight successes, the billion-dollar IPOs, the massive exits. But just like your Instagram feed, that's never the whole story. Let's look deeper than the headlines and the press photos. Underneath all of that is the real work building something valuable and lasting. Don't get me wrong, I love crazy success stories and can be drawn into those big flashy tales just as much as the next person. But we all know that what's more important than the destination is how you get there. It's the struggles you have to overcome and the insights you learn along the way that make you who you are. So those are the stories we're telling. It's raw, it's honest, and maybe it's exactly what you need to hear. I'm Hillary Georgie, and this is The Journey. While growing up in Glen Ellen, Illinois, just west of Chicago, when most of his friends were playing with Legos, Scott was cruising the country with his dad, selling gigantic Cutler Hammer electrical transformers to large enterprise businesses. It was just a unique thing that I think wasn't intended. It just sort of turned into like, well, geez, you know, I brought my son on a trip and it was kind of a pain in the ass at first because, you know, I had to find a sitter in Baltimore. And then it became, well, I brought him to one meeting, I'll bring him to another. And then all of a sudden, I'm like the perfect icebreaker. And, and by the time you go through this, you know, 10 or 11 times, now these guys know you and they just assume you're going with. And it got to a point where I was sitting in meetings and like actually commentating and getting to know these guys and I'd be coming, coming every summer and spending the summer traveling around Louisiana and Dallas, Texas and going to box games and, and events and dinners and lunches with my dad and all of his business partners. Scott loved every minute of his summers. The long drives with his dad, the corporate hospitality, the intense negotiations, and finally, the celebratory handshakes. He felt at home there, like he belonged. So, when summer was winding down, Scott had to be dragged out of the boardroom and back to school. I was always hanging out with older people, and by older, I mean like 50. And so when you get into the situation where you're a kid and you're trying to fit in with your peers, 
uh, and being taught by teachers who are in some cases younger than the people that you spent time with, it was a little challenging to adjust. And so when I got to school and kids just, they would talk about Disney and I just was talking about business. Like it just was weird. It was the same story in high school. When Scott's classmates were off talking about music, he was meeting up with college kids and young professionals talking about the world of work and dreaming of his future in business. By the time he graduated Marquette University in Milwaukee, Scott was ready to get back to the life he'd loved so much as a kid. Although he studied advertising in college, Scott talked his way into a commercial real estate firm based in Lake Forest, Illinois, and landed a job as a property manager. For the first year or so, I'm just sort of like figuring it out. You know, I didn't have any background on that. It was just sort of like learn as you go. And then uh, the recession hits and everything is sliding off the table. And we were fortunate that we had, you know, fairly good amount of capital and it really had made some pretty shrewd property investments and had a nice little hook. And then I recognized the sweet spot in the market, which was nuisance properties, which if you're familiar with nuisance properties, it's basically any commercial property that is, you know, by tech, by textbook definition, a nuisance, uh, meaning that there's a lot of crime, there's calls to the police, there's a lot of hazards, there's just things that are not generally good. And I had basically identified that there was a way to, to sort of sweeten the pot with them. You could get them really cheap, particularly during the recession. And if they had a parcel of land or a corner parcel, which you would you know, usually see a gas station or a 7-Eleven on, um, we would buy those, sublet it, and then lease it out to Walgreens, which would immediately make the property profitable because we got it so cheap. It was a smart plan and one that brought money in when the business desperately needed it. But then something went wrong. What should have been a giant win for both Scott and his employer quickly turned into a source of tension. I was due some bonuses. Uh, when time came to pay up, uh, they didn't want to pay because they said basically, you know, the overall didn't perform well because the recession was hard. Even though I, my portion of the portfolio was amazing, uh, that didn't matter. Scott quit his job and resolved to start a business of his own. But with just a few years experience in commercial real estate, he knew he lacked some key skills. So he went back to graduate school, exploring the local business scene in his spare time. I started going downtown uh, Chicago to an event that was just kind of getting started called Technori. And it was a, a meetup. It was founders, entrepreneurs, investors who had no other place to connect with one another. And so I would just go there as a, as a grad student and hang out and listen and ask questions. Surrounded by dozens of other aspiring entrepreneurs, business ideas started bubbling in Scott's head. I had come up with a, a business idea. And that idea was essentially uh, a media innovation company. And this is 2013. The world is thinking of media as like TV and radio. I'm thinking of media like any app that you use in a shared network to connect and communicate with people to me as media. Click's pitch was simple. Scott was a young, innovative hotshot who would go into your business and show you how to use new media to improve operations. At the time, there was no one else offering this service. So Scott's business attracted early interest from the famed Chicago Sun-Times newspaper. And was pitching this product for several million dollars like within three months of finishing school. I was getting real excited. I, I was meeting all the, the big you know, movers and shakers and this deal ends up getting up to like $10 million. I'm freaking out. It was every entrepreneur's dream. But unfortunately for Scott, this dream was about to become a nightmare. It basically started off with the people at Sun-Times telling me, 
you know, we've, we've got this deal in principle and then all of a sudden saying, oh, you know what, actually all of the properties for our Sun-Times properties are about to be acquired by the Tribune. And then they're like, no, 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 you shouldn't do it now with us. You should wait for the Tribune because they're bigger and they're going to get you even more money. The deal's going to be bigger. So my eyes get even bigger. And then I'm telling my buddy, you know, how huge this is going to be. And little did I know, uh, I was I was being taken for a ride because what was going on was they had committed in a letter of intent to do this deal, but then they they didn't want that to snag up anything with the deal that they were doing with the Tribune. And they didn't tell the Tribune anything about me. So when I went to call the Tribune to do the deal, they were like, uh, yeah, no, not, <laughs> not happening. We have a tech department, we, we're good. I was left with nothing. That we didn't have clients, we had nothing at that point because I had invested everything into this one shot deal. I sort of learned right there like, oh man, you need to get out and meet a lot more people and you can't ever put all your eggs in one basket and you need to build a network. You can't rely on a couple, couple of loose interests. With Scott's white whale swimming off into the distance, he took a small payout from Click Media and stepped back from the business. After the break, Scott shares how he continued to chase his dream of becoming a businessman despite facing even more ups and downs on his roller coaster journey. It takes a lot to grow a business, but one thing's for certain. You've got to have a laser focus on the customer. That's why we use Salesforce Essentials at Mission every day. With Essentials, your small business has access to the same CRM tools driving results for some of the world's most successful companies. Think Adidas, Amazon, T-Mobile, Toyota, Intuit, Marriott, and tens of thousands more. Track your business health by measuring sales, emails, customer satisfaction, and custom metrics. Go to essentials.salesforce.com to start your two-week trial today. After the flopped deal with the Sun-Times, Scott had no idea what to do next, so he gravitated back to the Technori events that had first inspired him at college. As I get into the networking scene, I, I discover really quickly that I hate it. I'm so bad at it. I... I should be good at it. I'm great with one-on-one. I'm, I'm great in groups, like big, big, big groups, but I'm terrible with like small groups inside of big groups. And it gives me a ton of anxiety. I can't even get myself to do it. And so I'm thinking, how in the hell am I gonna do this? And I started thinking to myself about the media. It was like, you could use a podcast. So I ended up creating this podcast called Tomorrow's Business Today, which was um, through a partnership I had created with WGN Radio. The podcast was created essentially so that I could bring in the people that I wanted to meet with to get to know them, rather than me having to go find them in a big room. But what started as a simple networking surrogate quickly turned into a passion, and then a business. And I started looking into, how can I build a business around this this podcast? And that was when I realized that we needed to create an actual revenue model. and. I figured I'd call Seth Kravitz, who was the founder of Technori, and see you know what he thought I should do. He comes in and I don't know, we're like 15 minutes into it. And I just tell he was tired. He just seemed like he was just tired of it. I just sort of like randomly pitched him, like, hey, I got a crazy idea for you. How about I acquire Technori? He just kind of laughed. And then I was like, no, I'm serious. What is the cost? What's the price tag? It ended up being you know several hundred thousand dollars that investors had put in that he wanted to make sure they got whole and so I basically negotiated my way into getting those investors kind of put in a corner where 
they were in a better position and signed off on it. And I, I ended up acquiring this, this company and I ended up rebranding the show. Acquiring Technori was just the start. Scott had grand plans to transform it into an investment portal linking cash-strapped founders with moneyed investors. But perhaps ironically, his business needed cash. So Scott turned to Howard Tolman, the CEO of startup incubator 1871, who he had met through the podcast. And they told me literally right to my face, he goes, I think that's a terrible effing idea. I thought it was so sure. And I went to another couple people uh, in Chicago and another guy said, uh, this is innovation theater. Terrible idea. Without investors on board, Scott faced another roadblock. As it stood, all Scott had was a locally successful podcast and an expensive investment burning a hole in his pocket. But that wasn't about to slow him down. For nine months, there was the listeners were a couple people who were on the show, my parents, maybe a few friends. I'd go home and open every screen I had and click play, <laughs> try to get the clips up. I had a plan of attack for how it was going to grow. It was a kind of a leveraging networks plan. And I just kept pounding on it. And it didn't really matter to me that the numbers were garbage. I just kept rolling. I'm literally down to like, I think it was down to like $750 in the account. And I had uh, George Busis, who at the time was the CEO and was obviously the founder of Raise.com. And I don't really know what happened, but it went really well. I came home and I about passed out. The show had been played 60,000 times in that day. I don't think I ever had a 6,000 total. That interview was the turning point for his podcast. With impressive listener numbers behind him, Scott could attract higher profile entrepreneurs and chase bigger sponsors. Before long, it was, you know, half a million plays, landed our first sponsor. The money starts coming in and it wasn't, you know, any big crazy number, but it was enough to like hire a couple people and get it going and really focus on it and grow the show. So as, as that starts going, you know, eventually we hit well over 5 million plays with the show. And Despite Technori's success, Scott was hungry for more. But to take his business to the next level, he knew he needed a hook, something to set his show and his events apart. When I acquired Technori, I'd actually looked into creating an equity crowdfunding platform when, because uh, I knew it from real estate, the Title Three Jobs Act, uh, had, had let real estate investors do crowdfunding for non-accredited investors. Uh, and I had heard that it was going to be coming in for companies. And so I started doing some research on it. I was going to launch a platform and I talked to a bunch of folks in Chicago and got, you know, three to $5 million potentially could be invested to, to do this. Scott wanted to turn the Technori podcast and event network into an interactive investment opportunity, not just for accredited investors, but for anyone with a spare 10 bucks. Think Shark Tank meets Kickstarter. The only problem was someone was about to beat him to the market. Before I do that, I do my diligence and I go meet with all the others that are doing it in the space across the country. And one person I met with was Ken Wynn, who uh, was the chief legal officer for AngelList. And he was getting ready to launch uh, a crowdfunding platform called Republic. And he had like earmarked like 12 million, which he eventually raised another 14 million. I knew immediately that we had no chance. So I folded it up and I said, Ken, why don't we partner? We'll be your exclusive launch partner in Chicago and I'll promote this everywhere. And you'll be my hook. So you'll vet these companies. You will let them all raise capital by equity crowdfunding on your platform. Uh, we will not take any money from this. They, Ken does, that's their business, but we will not. We will just use him as a platform. And now when you come to the startup showcase, you literally can invest real money, as little as $10, as much as $10,000 
in every single company that comes on stage. And that had never been done before. When I ended up bringing that show concept to WGN Radio and launching a show out of it, it was the first ever uh, equity crowdfunding show that was on a live radio program. Or, and that kind of became our claim to fame. With AngelList's crowdfunding platform, Technori's podcasts and events were commonly generating a couple thousand dollars for each business he featured. But Scott dreamed of writing checks for tens or hundreds of thousands. And while he couldn't write those checks with Technori's modest bank balance, he knew someone who could. I started inviting in a bunch of different VCs um, and successful entrepreneurs, more, mostly successful entrepreneurs because I, I felt like they have a risk profile that's similar to me. They're willing to take a, take a flyer on a crazy idea. Uh, whereas VCs, you know, they, they have to, you know, ad- adhere to their investors. One of the guys that I had met in my real estate career that I knew was kind of a, a wild card was Mike Rothman. And he was the founder and CEO of SMS Assist, which uh, at the time, you know, it was about, a, they, they raised $150 million from Goldman Sachs. I had him on my show and he literally just said, oh, you know, come by my office next week and let's kick the tires. And I walked in and I told him the pitch. He reached his hand and he's like, you got a deal. Well, how much money do you need? And just like that, Scott had chased down his dream and transformed Technori into a bona fide investment platform. But because of his circuitous route, it was so much more than that. Technori was a vibrant community, a diverse network of entrepreneurs, innovators, and investors. And it was Scott's journey, the successes, the mistakes, the persistence, and the drive that made it that way. In the words of Ray Kroc, press on, Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Succeeding as a startup, solo founder, or any small business is an uphill battle. It takes the right mindset, and the right tools. That's why we're thrilled to partner with Salesforce Essentials to bring you the journey. Managing one podcast, let alone a whole media studio, is a challenge to say the least, but Essentials makes it easy to maintain relationships and grow our business. With Essentials, your startup has access to the same CRM driving insights and results from the world's most successful companies. Use unrivaled Salesforce technology to track customers, sales, emails, and more. You'll know where your business is and you'll know where it's headed as you chart the path for your journey. We love using Essentials and we know you will too. Go to essentials.salesforce.com to start your two-week trial today. 